0: Hello, Real Talk listeners. Today, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper into one of our culture topics communication and share some additional insights on this particular element of success. Um, you know what? It's a part of success as it relates to culture. But let's be honest good communication is a part of success in anything that you do. So, Let's talk a little bit about it. But first, let's open up by talking about the good. Maria Keith, I want you guys to channel the best communicator you know right now. Close your eyes. No, don't. No, we're not going to go there. Um, Close your eyes. Think about the best communicator you know. What do they do in in a professional environment? What do they do that makes them so great?
1: Well, I will say I'm going to channel my inner Mandy and talk about how great she was at communicating in general about what's needed within a train. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> for all you listeners, we have no idea who that is. But we. I, I think really when you channel in your best communicator that you can think of, I would say they were very open, very transparent, very visible. They gave details and clarity. A lot of the things that we talk about, right? when you're setting those expectations, there's specific details and they go into the tasks and the subtasks or like the topics and the subtopics or the points and the and the subpoints. like depending on what it is, I would say the best communicator that I've had was, you know, a leader of mine where they were just super clear, but they, you know, checked for clarity as well. Like, hey, is is this exactly what you need? Because I think it's super critical because everybody's at a different level and you don't want to, you know, S1 and R4, like if for anyone who's thinking situational leadership, if you don't know what that means, we'll, we'll talk about it, but we've talked about it in the past. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. And I think I'm rambling. So Keith, who's your best communicator?
2: you kind of stole a little bit of my thunder but not really but i was just cuz i was thinking that when i think about somebody who is a great communicator i think about somebody who they adjust their leadership style and their communication style depending on the audience that they're they're talking to and not just you know you mentioned you know you mentioned uh, readiness levels for situational leadership but i think it goes beyond that too i think it goes beyond i think it goes speaks to Learning about knowing your audience well enough that you know what's important to them, what motivates them, what drives them, and then tailoring your communication to speak to that. For the most part, even if you are in the same industry or you're in the same department, chances are communicating in a way that excites you is probably not going to excite and motivate everybody else you're speaking to. So I think it becomes really important when you're when you're communicating to recognize what gets people up in the morning and use that to your advantage to help communicate your message you know the the person i'm thinking about was very gifted in that and i don't think it's something that should be taken lightly or looked at as something that's just a passive personality trait i think it's something that's that's a skill and i'm hesitant to use this word but it's almost you know if you look at if you look at uh, a politician right they're very good at tailoring their message to their audience and it doesn't matter what what side of the aisle you're on they're speaking to the people that already support them right they're not speaking to the people that disagree with them they're speaking to the people that already support them and they're getting everyone to, to nod and 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 shake their head in agreement and that's a that's a simplified exaggeration, but I think that that kind of is where you need to go. I think you need to tailor your message based on your audience.
1: Meh, I can agree to disagree, but we're not here to talk politics, so we'll go with that. (laughs) I mean, when you're in a race and you're running, sometimes you are also talking to the people that don't support you when it's an election year, right? Because you're trying to gain the votes to have the mass popularity vote. But
2: yes, I I should clarify that. So, yeah, not necessarily that you're speaking to people that already support you. You are speaking about things that you know your audience cares about.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's interesting. So, Michelle, I hope like we gave you some insights into what we think are good communicators from the people that we've been mentored by. How about you, Michelle?
0: I'd say you guys nailed it, which is probably one of the topics that we don't often disagree on is communication. In fact, if you have listened to any of our multiple podcasts before now, and if you haven't, you should, you've heard us say over and over again, like if someone were to, if a leader were to come to us and say, my communication style is blank, we would probably call them out on the spot because you can't just have one communication style. You have to, as a leader, this one, those sorry, not sorry moments that we talk about for leaders As a leader, your job is to mold for the people that you're talking to because ultimately you were hired to get those people to perform a job. So if you can't adjust to what matters to them, then you're not doing your job well. So being flexible, really getting to know people and being able to adjust for them really is key here. I think there are definitely some communication breakdowns. We've seen them all. Um, we could probably each list a couple dozen ourselves, but I think that there's some really common ones that we should throw out there and maybe wrap this up by making some recommendations on how to address them. One that I have seen recently, which is incredibly devastating, is what I'm going to call withholding information or lack of any information. So um, because in times of change, leaders tend to be worried if it changes or what if it's not solid or what if things don't go exactly the way they're predicting. I don't want to put it out there and then have to take it back. So again, I'm not saying leaders make these poor choices for bad intent, but they do make poor choices. So as a result of that, they communicate nothing until they feel confident the information is so solid that they can announce it. Have you guys ever seen the breakdown when that happens?
1: Yeah, you know what? It's it's interesting cuz during COVID, you you saw a lot of leaders withhold information because they have to withhold. People are asking like, what's going on with COVID? Are we going to lose our jobs? Are you closing locations? People have to withhold, leaders have to withhold information during those critical co- times. And that's an extreme, right? And we expect them to withhold information. A lot of people in different countries probably have different standards for that and their expectations for leaders. But sometimes leaders just withhold information because they, you know, know, they're assholes. I don't know, Keith.
2: (laughs) But I think there's something to be said for if you are sharing the information that you can and are willing to share, then the information that you can't share becomes less important. I don't, think it becomes, I don't think it becomes as much of an issue because you're coming across and you're sharing what you know, what you can share, what's relevant and pertinent. But I think it's when people clam up entirely when there's a troubling time or, or a crisis and, and leaders just completely close themselves off and you know lock themselves in their office and there's no communication. I think that's when there's a breakdown in trust. But I think if you are communicating everything that you can communicate, then the withheld information that needs to be withheld isn't isn't as isn't as much of an issue.
0: Yeah, I also think that there's a way, Keith, there's a brilliant way of doing that. Marie, you and I have used this in the situation around COVID. It is possible, and there is a shit ton of respect that you will gain from your employees if as a leader, you're willing to stand up and say, here's what I do know. Here's what I can't tell you yet. I know you wanna know if our jobs are secure, but the truth is I've never been in charge during a pandemic and I don't know what's gonna happen next. We hoped it was gonna be two weeks and now we're at two months. I don't know. What I do know is we have a job now. We have customers placing orders now and we're going to keep going as long as we have the business to do that. And if you want to talk about how you can get a group of people to follow you, it is by being absurdly transparent when you've got no effing clue. That's how you will get people to look at you and go, okay, okay. Okay, and to you know, like you guys said, the other information becomes a little less relevant in this moment because now they have the faith that you're going to share it when you can. It's also okay to say those are things I can't tell you yet. I give you my word: the minute I can tell you everything, I will tell you. Um, but those are things I can't tell you right now.
2: Yeah, I think people expect their leaders to be human, and. If you're able to communicate, or if you're willing to communicate, that's not something I know yet, or that's not something I'm able to share yet. You're going to have the respect and the following because if you jo- if you don't say anything, the assumption is going to be you know, and you're refusing to tell us.
0: And Keith, you even mentioned this in a in a different context, in a different podcast, where you were talking about first time leaders often relate back to parental figures. I use a phrase, I always say, people will fill in the blanks. People will, they they will not act with blanks. They will not. What they will do, so if you as a leader, you leave some blanks or some holes, you ignore some questions that they have, they won't act anyway. What they're gonna do is they're gonna start pulling on their history and they're gonna fill in the blanks with their past experiences. So if my past tells me, that when leaders go silent, it's because something bad is about to happen. Now, all of a sudden, I'm starting to gossip with everybody I know about the bad thing that's about to happen because the leaders are not telling us anything. So what you need to know as a leader is they will, people, humans, not just employees, human beings fill in the blanks.
2: So I love that example because the first thing that that makes me think of is... um, Mad Libs. So Mad Libs, you know, that game where you've got the story, but it has blanks and you have to put in the, the, you know, you have to come up with an adjective or a noun and just fill it in. And then their story is completely ridiculous. But I think that's a great example, because if you don't fill in the blanks for them, they're going to come up with their own version. And that and their version of it is going to be wildly different than yours.
0: Exactly. I love that example. So another huge mistake that I see, and you know what, This one's hard for me to admit that it can be a mistake, but it can absolutely be a mistake. And it is oversharing. Have you guys had leaders who just like tell you so much that you can't filter through it to figure out what you need?
2: Yeah, I think there's two things there. I think number one is that that information dump, right, where I'm just going to verbally vomit on you and tell you everything that that, you know, is relevant or irrelevant to you and then leave you to make sense of it. But the other thing is, and I think that leaders think that they're they're gaining trust by doing this, but I think it has the opposite effect is when a leader comes and says, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but, and I think that that has the opposite effect. I think that that, that sends the message that you are not on board with the mission of this company, or you are not on board with the, the values of this organization. If you are betraying your responsibility as a leader, how can I trust you?
0: You know, and this one is hard for me to put it in the communication breakdown category because I, geez, I want to know it all. I want to know all of it and then some extra on top of it. Um, I don't, but there have absolutely been times both for me, as well as me, for other people, where in hindsight, I shared too much or too much was shared with me. And key to your point, you do have to start asking yourself at some point, do they share everything? If you are willing to share this thing that you aren't supposed to, have you shared details of our conversations? Have you shared, um, and then that that breakdown and that loss of trust? Maria, what about
1: you? I think it's interesting. Um, so I get oversharing a lot or sharing inappropriate information as well. Like when I'm working with business leaders all the time, I will tell you how many times have they put into an email Sally Sue's medical situation. Well, Sally Sue's out on FMLA for like the next 12 weeks because she's got... A mental wellness concern, and she's got anxiety, and she's dealing with her troubles with COVID, and that's inappropriate, that's irrelevant or Sally Sue's never coming back, or she's taking advantage of a leave-of-absence situation, that's inappropriate. It's a, it's irrelevant. You're oversharing about a topic that is completely inappropriate. So I don't need to know. How does it affect my job? It doesn't. You're sharing information, and now I can't trust you as a leader because why would I ever give you any information about my personal private life? Because you're going to take it out of context. So. You're going to overshare with the team or you're going to kind of talk bad about an organization or a process or a company. And then there's there's trust that's kind of the the, the trust barriers are knocked down. So you're oversharing about something that's not necessarily needed or necessary about what's going on with someone or within the organization. Or like Keith mentioned, like, well, I'm going to tell you this. You're really not supposed to know. Well, first of all, why are you telling me? Second of all, like, why are you saying in that context?
0: I think there's a balance, like you guys, I've never actually had to testify in court, but I've seen TV shows like Law & Order, right? And they always tell you, answer the question that's asked, no more, no less. I think it's almost like you've got to, as a leader, you've got to think about the person you're talking to, you've got to think about what their responsibilities are, and you sort of have to balance those two extremes of, I'm going to tell you everything, and I'm only going to answer the question that was asked, right? Right. It's somewhere in the middle of that, depending on people's responsibilities. So you know what? This is another one of those sorry, not sorry things. As a leader, your job is to pause long enough and look at a message that was given to you and ask yourself, what elements of this message do I need to share with Sally in order for her to do her job effectively, what element do I need to share with Vanessa in order for her to be successful?
2: And again, I think this comes I think it comes back to the intention, your intention behind it. You know, it's going to have a very different outcome. The message you deliver will have a very different outcome if you're coming from a place of this is what I'm able to share, and this is why I'm sharing it with you because this is what you know I'm hoping that it will help support you to do. Versus if you come from a a place where, how can I manipulate this information to share only what I need to, to keep everybody from asking questions, you know? And so I think you can deliver the same exact message, but if you're, depending on your intent behind it, it's going to, it's going to land completely differently.
0: Absolutely. And if you, if you're ever in a situation where you do have to do mass communication, so everybody's going to get a very similar message, maybe via email, When you're composing the email, ask yourself, did I answer the why? Did I answer the what? Did I answer the who, what, when, where, why, how? Did I miss any of those? But I would tell you, knowing that it's going to different levels, I would start with the details and then drill back down to the why. So your employees that don't need a lot of pushing or motivation to move forward, they can immediately know what their action item is and they can jump on it and those that do need you to get some buy-in you've still built that into the message so just think about how you're composing it and if you start what I found is there are there are a group of employees who are just going to do what you tell them to they tend to be fewer in numbers than those that need the why but um, if you start your message by giving them what they need they won't skip over the email like you might find if you put too much soft stuff at the
2: start. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: So another one that, that um, it's actually a piece of advice that I got from someone a really long time ago. And it was, it was the person that I think about when I channel one of my most successful communicators. Um, And she always said before she sent communication out or before she had a team meeting a conference call, whatever, she immediately asked herself, what is the intent behind telling these people this? And that helped her to decide how to craft that message. So if the intent was to get something done faster, then she ha- she was able to focus on deadlines and action items. If the intent was to get buy-in, then she would start with the rah-rah. If the tent- intent was to change people's mind by asking that question before you um, communicate any message, it can help you to craft the direction of your communication. What do you guys think?
1: Keith is deep in thought on this one, Michelle.
0: <laughs> one of my favorite thing in the world is is when Keith is deep in thought because I know something crazy good's going to come out of it. <laughs>
2: No, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to relate it somehow to my own experience, but, you know, in an, in an, in an effort to not come across and saying, you know, just come out and say communication, I'm all for it. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to relate it to an experience of mine, but I, I cannot, I cannot pull one at this moment, but, <laughs> so, um,
0: so just so you guys know, the phrase communication, I'm all for it, is definitely going on a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> if everybody was a great communicator, we wouldn't have so many broken relationships, whether in our personal lives or our career lives.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. There's also, I would say, another failure is, Maria. you and Keith talked about this earlier on a, on a different specific, Situation, but I want to reinforce what you said, which was you're letting people ask questions and it's the listen part of communication. So I would say, as a leader in your personal life, maybe not as much, but as a leader, your responsibility is to make sure the receiver receives the message accurately. The only way you can ensure that that person received it accurately is to pause, listen, let them ask questions, have them repeat back what they've heard. And I would say listening may be one of the biggest breakdowns in communication ever. How do you guys listen better?
2: Can you repeat that? Because I wasn't paying attention to what you said. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but one of the things that I I find to be really helpful, especially after I've delivered a piece of information that I know is new and surprising, is that when questions come up, regardless of what those questions are, I want people to feel comfortable that it's okay that they ask that question. And so I think what's really important, one of the things that I always do is is thank them for asking that question, regardless of whether I think that it's a good question, but I thank them because it means that they had the courage to say, I don't understand this part, so I need more clarification. So when I say, well, thank you for asking that question, it's not because, oh, you reminded me of something I wanted to say. I'm saying thank you for having the courage to step forward and say, I'm not clear on this message. So I think that's one key thing is to let them know you're you're listening to them and celebrate the fact that they're engaging in this conversation, not just a passive listener. I think that's a, I think that's a really key part. Paying attention and listening to their, their concerns and their questions is key. But I think you need to encourage that, that engagement in order, you know, first, you need to encourage them to participate. And then you've got to step up and say, okay, what you're telling, what you're saying is important. It's important to you. So I'm going to make it important to me.
0: Yep. It goes back to people fill in the Mad Lib, right? It goes back to that. Is That's the reason that listening is is so spotty and people hear different messages because when they hear something, they automatically start to try to relate it to something they previously understood. And since we all previously understood different experiences, we all come out having had paid attention to different things in the communication.
2: Yeah, that's a really important designation to make. Is that the things that resonate with them are going to th- are, are going to be the things that they've experienced before? So if you're talking, you know, you need to be sensitive to the fact that if you've got employees in the in the room, you know, that have experienced things like like a massive layoff, or they've experienced things like a job loss for other reasons, or they've experienced, you know, a a poor leader. What you say? especially if you're talking about navigating through a crisis, they're going to pay attention to the parts that are important to them and to the parts that have had meaning to them in the past. So I think that's, that's a really important designation to make.
0: So another potential challenge that we might see is using the wrong delivery method of communication. You send an email or a memo when it should have been a phone call or You make a conference call when it should have been a face-to-face. What are some of the mistakes that you guys have seen people make
2: here? Going back to kind of what we were talking about before is the emails that come out and say, you know, they'll outline a breakthrough message that you know, you know, it's it's earth-shattering. You know, this is a major change to the organization or to the structure of a team, and you know, you read through it, and then the very last line is. Don't share this with anybody. <laughs> you know, in in cases where you need where you need to share sensitive information, then it should be communicated in a sensitive way. I don't think that a an email out to a team that that ends with and don't share this with anybody else is the right way to share sensitive information.
1: Org announcement effective immediately. So and so is no longer with the organization. Dun dun dun.
2: <laughs>
1: oh. Man, what organization doesn't do that? Yeah, I think it goes back, Michelle, to what we what I mentioned before too, right? There's like there's some right and wrongs when you're making a big announcement like reductions or something like that. If you put it in an email, it's a little bit crazy. So I see a lot of org changes or shifts in priorities that are announced through email. And some people have questions on it or it's impacting some people. Like, I don't know. It's it's truly interesting. However, I'm big, I'm big on don't schedule a meeting or a call if you could have put it into an email. Cause I'm a big just send me an email. I'd rather have that than have an hour or 30 minute call schedule out of my day on anything. So but the joke is, right? Isn't that like a meme, Keith? Like <laughs> this conference could have been an email. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, you know, again, I think it's, you know, there's a difference between an information update and here's some information that's going to rock your world, right? That's where the difference is, right? Is that information that is going to have a profound impact on somebody's life or on their career or their day-to-day activities needs to be communicated in a way that matches the level of impact that that message is going to have. Totally. Totally.
0: So, as it relates to culture, when you pull all of this together, if you are trying to infuse the correct culture in your organization, there's a new hand sign for infuse. Guys, sorry, you get the audio and not the visual. My bad. We'll take a picture of it and put it on the LinkedIn page so you'll know what it means to infuse. But... What you want to do is going back to, Maria used a segue in our last podcast where she said, stay tuned next time. We're going to talk about that culture committee. And that's where you really want to start to craft that communication in that conversation. And in any of your conversations, guys, I would say you start by asking yourself, what is the intent of this communication? If you start by asking yourself that question, then you can start to break down the rest of it. How much do I need to tell them? What do I need to tell them? What is the best best method to communicate this? I even ask myself when I'm composing or when I'm thinking about a message, I ask myself in advance, what are some of the questions that I could get? What are some of the pushback that I might get as a result of this? So that I can think about, is that something I put in the message to begin with and I address it to begin with, or at worst case scenario, it preps me to know what questions I might get in that process. I automatically build in some opportunity for questions or clarification. And Keith, I love that example of thanking people for being vulnerable and asking those questions because humans don't like to admit they don't know stuff, especially the older you become, the harder that is to admit. And so celebrating the vulnerability of people asking questions. What do you guys do? Share your best tips when you are deciding what to communicate.
2: So first, let me just say that when you were talking about anticipating the questions that, May be generated as a result of your of what your message is going to be. I I think that illustrates the it perfectly illustrates why communication is so important anyway. Because you wouldn't be able to anticipate the questions that are coming up if you don't make good communication a practice. You'd have no idea what questions to expect if you don't have that relationship of open communication already existing. So, if ever there was a time, you know, if you you know, the question is. Well, when is a good time to, you know, to start practicing good communication? You know, the answer is always going to be yesterday. But, you know, the next best answer is right now. So I think that's really important to to call out is that, you know, you're you're able to anticipate those things because you have that open communication, that you, ha- you develop that relationship with people. But if you don't, there's no way you're going to be able to anticipate what they're going to ask.
1: True. I agree with Keith. I think it's super important for you. To be able to have that open communication, but also, you know, make like like he mentioned, there's no way you can anticipate what they're going to ask. Right. So this is kind of how we do communication strategies is like we map out like all the possible FAQs that can come out of something. And then like we reverse engineer, like what's some, every possible thing someone could ask me about this topic. And then let's make sure all of that's communicated in some sort of format. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely
2: but you know at the end of the day i think it really comes to that human interaction piece that that relationship piece because you could say this is everything that's going to be asked and you could be right and you could beat them to the punch and communicate all that information ahead of time but they may be thinking about it in just slightly a, a slightly different way and they may use a different word to describe something and they still may ask the same question so you know, if you're talking about, uh, you know, a change in, in the organization and, and, and you, you, know, you use the word realign, they may ask you a question about somebody being transferred. You know, you're talking about the same thing, but they're using different vocabulary. And I think that's why that relationship piece is so important. It's, it's about knowing your audience and about expecting the questions they're going to have based on your experience with them. You know, if you, and if you don't have that interaction experience with them, there's going to be gaps in the communication.
0: So guys, maybe a great place for you to start is to ask yourself, have I communicated effectively in the past? Could I anticipate how someone would respond to something? And if the answer is no, then take the advice that you heard, start communicating now more effectively, but don't just jump into over communication. So two things. First, design your strategy. Like Maria said, you anticipate those questions, reverse engineer it. The way I described it, setting it up with what's the intent of it. But here's what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to protect your team for a minute. You have been a poor communicator for the past six months and now all of a sudden you're in their face every 10 minutes telling them something new about the organization. They're going to fill in the blanks. <laughs> With clearly, they're doing something wrong because you used to ignore them and now you're all up in their business. So, this is where you're going to have to do some of that vulnerability stuff and you're going to have to say, Hey, I did a little self reflection and I realized maybe I'm not communicating effectively with you guys. So, you're going to see me change my style up or practice a different way of communicating. It's not you guys, it's me. Um, I just want to make sure I'm giving you the information that you need. So, Just be prepared. If you go from zero to 60 overnight, you're going to have a lot of freaked out employees.
2: Not only freaked out, but they're going to go to the worst case scenario. Aside from thinking, you know, why are they in my face all the time? It's going to turn up the gossip mill and it's going to be like, well, they must have had their ass handed to them if they're all of a sudden, you know, over communicating. So, yeah.
0: Yep. Absolutely. So guys, we are going to have a lot more really cool information around communication coming out, particularly as it relates to culture. We have an incredible four-hour virtual summit coming up about how to assess and address your culture. And we look forward to seeing you at that virtual class. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye.